0: I'm Ken Hemmings, and he is Chris Lang, and welcome to another of these regular property briefings. Again, a warm
1: welcome to you, Chris. Morning, Ken, and uh, it's good to be here. So,
0: what would you like to talk about today? Well, would you mind if we picked up from where we left off last week? and explore the impact of falling oil prices? Oh, Ken, you're stretching
1: the friendship a bit there. I mean, you're right, my background is in economics, but I'm certainly not an expert on movements in oil prices and the effect they're likely to have. But I do recall, I think it was in the financial review a while back, there was a, a study done by Oxford Economics, and I think they predicted the likely effect upon gross domestic product during the next 12, 18 months of oil being at $40 a barrel US versus $84 a barrel US. So I'll dig that out, but I think it talked about, you know, the oil-producing countries around the world will obviously suffer, and it it explained exactly how much they, they would. But then one country's loss is another country's gain. I mean, the World Bank, I think, feels that there's going to be windfall savings through price reductions, and that will lead to improved global economic demand particularly in those countries that rely upon foreign oil. And in return, this will help address the present imbalance in economic growth. Furthermore, I think the World Bank predicts China's current account surplus could add between 0.4 to 0.7 to its GDP in 2015 alone. So it's certainly going to have impact, but it'll depend on whether you are a producer or a user of oil in net terms.
0: So, what will be the likely impact on our exporters? Well, when it comes to Australia,
1: obviously our economy and our consumers will benefit from lower oil, i.e. petrol prices. But not only that, our major trading partners being China, US, India and Japan will also enjoy the advantages of lower oil prices as well. And as such, that should translate into really a three- or fourfold benefit for Australia. Firstly, you've got a decline in the present inflation rate, so that takes the pressure off the Reserve Bank. Improve consumer confidence at home, because the non-mining community should start to see more activity. You'll have a sustained lower dollar to help exporters and also improved demand for what our exporters produce over the next 12 to 18 months. You see, China, Japan and Korea are all big oil importers and energy importers. And the US, even though it's got a a large gas and oil sector, it too should see a boost in activity thanks to the impact of lower fuel costs on households and businesses outside of the energy sector. But you also got to look at, as far as China's concerned, it takes 32.5% of Australia's exports, and Australia hasn't relied on one country as much as they do upon China since the 1950s, when the UK used to dominate our international trade. So, as far as China's concerned it's sort of grappling with a, a credit bubble and it's attempting to move its economy away from exports and infrastructure more to a consumer driven economy and the thing is that the growth that has declined from ten down to seven and a half and maybe seven percent in China has been orchestrated by the government, not market driven and I think Goldman Sachs had a report because they act for a lot of firms in Asia and they see China as a major winner as commodity prices fall. I mean, for the Chinese, it's great news. I mean, no one could have dreamt that it would be such a, a positive scenario because it takes the heat off their infla- inflation and so forth. And it also provides a perfect backdrop for its economy to to shift gears and to build up its consumer demand, which is is what the government wants to do and become less reliant upon you know, the property market and also its infrastructure. So you've got to also understand that, and it's not only just China, it's India as well, but as far as China's concerned, even though it's had all this growth, its per capita income, in China are just 20% of those in the US. So you've got a massive catch-up for China in the amount of growth from consumer demand. And wage levels are are changing as well because it's no longer just a cheap place to, to manufacture things. In terms of resource exports the outlook is, is, is certainly not gloomy. The massive investment might have fallen away, but the output from the mines and the gas fields will be quite considerable, even though the prices are lower. And the, the smaller firms with the higher cost structure you know, may fall over, but it's a marked contrast from previous booms when the output also slumped along with prices.
0: What about the federal budget and the general economy?
1: Look, over the last 12, 18 months or so, there has been heated political debate over the budget, and that's probably muddied everybody's understanding of the economy. And put simply, the budget is not the economy. And that's what people have to come to realisation. Now, a lot of the economic commentary does get tied up in the budget, and this is partly the media's fault. But the reality is that the budget position is partly an indicator of the government's mismanagement of its own internal affairs, but it doesn't necessarily relate to the economy. It it affects the economy in as much as that it saps the confidence out of consumers. But the underlying economic issues are not necessarily related to the budget. Now, the government certainly has been handing out money hand over fist. This goes back to Howard's time. But households have been pretty responsible. I mean, since the global financial crisis, if you look at the stats, the savings have actually soared, household savings. And the corporate sector, too, has been pretty cautious and not wanting to borrow, and that's to a large extent, has been causing the recent spikes in employment. Because, notwithstanding things and prices have fallen, and oil's fallen, and and the dollars fallen, all that sort of stuff, they're still cautious, having been through the global financial crisis. Now, the interesting thing is that the current commodity cycle is fundamentally different from the past two cycles, and that was. During the Korean War and in the 1970s. And the fundamental difference is that the money we earned then was spent by consumers and the government in a rather reckless way. And there was inflation that forced interest rates to rise in order to contain it. However, if you think about it, this time around, inflation is low and interest rates are low. And the Reserve Bank has indicated as it did recently, that it's quite prepared to cut interest rates. I'm not convinced they'll go much lower than what they are, but nonetheless, it's a totally different scenario to the last two commodity boom-bust cycles. And I'll also pull out some more charts and graphs that appeared, I think, in the AIDS recently, which will demonstrate this position with household savings, employment and, and, and oil prices as well. So I'll put that together so people can come on to this episode number 87 and go to propertybriefings.com and then you can put that up underneath as something to download. So it'll all be together on one page and give you a, a pretty good grasp of um,
0: where things sit. Is it fair to say that most people believe the decline in the mining sector has left a gaping hole in our economy?
1: Yeah, look, I think if you ask most people, they would say that the mining industry drives the Australian economy. But in fact, that's not necessarily the case. And I think there was a survey done recently by the Australian Institute and on average Australians who were part of the survey believe that mining makes up about a third of the economy. Now the reality is that even after doubling in size over the past 10 years, mining and its related industries still account for less than 10% of our economic output, roughly on par with financial services and construction. In terms of employment, its contribution is even less remarkable. It's just 2% of the workforce in 2013-14 and I think it ranked about 15th as the most important job-creating industry. So the benefits of the mining boom to the average Australian have been massively exaggerated and as such, the unwinding of the boom will have less impact than a lot of people think. The high dollar that inevitably accompanied the surge in Australia's terms of trade would have severely damaged manufacturing and tourism and other service exporters. It also impacted on local producers competing with imports, which suddenly became much cheaper as the dollar was was high. Interest rates arguably rose higher than they would have otherwise had to do. So in that respect, people see the impact of the mining sector in that it became harder to do business here in Australia. But as terms of trade fall, so does the dollar, and that's enabling a rebalancing of the economy. And you're seeing home building spring back to life. You're seeing... Retail start to pick up, tourism will improve, and there'll be more students from overseas. And those who are manufacturing, who survive through all the tough times, are going to have a, a very good chance to do good business. So the Australian dollar may not go as low as many would like, but the consensus remains that economic growth in Australia will be somewhere between two and a half, three 3 percent probably not enough to spur a great growth in jobs. But even so, the outlook for jobs may not be as grim as most people think. With, you know, even the figure of, I know they've gone up, the unemployment's gone up recently, but the 37,000 jobs created in December surprised a lot of people. So I really believe it's a confidence thing. You've got to understand there's a lot of students who have come out in uh, January and, and February, that it would have hit the market. That never helps the unemployment in, in the early months of the year. So, overall, I think you're going to find that the um, the mining sector does, certainly hasn't had the dramatic effect that people have expected, and so its decline will not have such an impact. And as the the dollar falls and Our exporting economies improve America, China, etc.
0: Things are going to be looking up. So do you think the dramatic fall in oil prices could in fact be the circuit breaker our economy needs?
1: Yeah, look, I think you could see the fall in oil prices as the circuit breaker or the X factor as far as confidence is concerned. Look, the slump in, in world oil prices by more than half has led to a drop in the price of the the Bowser of, um, you know, 40 cents, 45 cents. It fluctuates a bit. But each time a car tank is filled up on average, which is once a fortnight, motorists are saving somewhere between 20 and $30. And it's money that can now be spent elsewhere. And if if it continues, it'll be the... Equivalent of an interest rate cut of as much as 0.5 percent, or say an $1,100 pay rise for each tax for each household before tax. So, I think you know the woes of companies like Santos and, and Woodside are, they're really quite trivial when it comes to the impact of lower oil prices and the lower dollar having a positive effect on the economy. Indeed, you know, household expenditure represents about 60% of the economy. So based on the last census, it showed there were close to 8 million households and the net benefit to the households of a sustained drop in oil prices would be an extra $6 billion over 2015. And that doesn't take into account the positive and wider impact on households of lower prices. I mean, oil being an input to a hell of a lot of goods and services. it's You factor it in. There's transport, there's in production and so forth. So those lower prices also give the Reserve Bank additional flexibility if it's needed and also the lower costs mean more room for hiring as far as businesses are concerned and, again, providing, I think, a a positive sign for employment. So things are not all that bad. And as I've said, I'll make sure I put these graphs and charts together and let you have them for, for the website.
0: From what you're saying, people seem to be equating the uh, the budget deficit problem with a a faltering economy, which in reality is not the case.
1: Yeah, precisely. I mean, household savings are high and and they're poised, ready to spend. It's purely the continual media beat-up which is affecting consumer confidence. However, I suspect that You're going to see the penny drop for most Australians
0: during 2015 and then the purse strings will begin to loosen. Once again, Chris, thank you for explaining a a different slant on things and hopefully 2015 will be a profitable one for our listeners.